0: Hello and welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. I'm at a conference this week. I'm speaking all week at a conference and I'm recording this podcast and perhaps the rest of it for the rest of the week in my car. I could have recorded it before, but I wanted to do it as as I was in the moment. And I knew that I was going to be speaking about the impact of trauma this week. And I knew that things would come up for me. And I wanted to speak from that place. So you might hear traffic passing by and we're on a beautiful, beautiful, um, we're, we're in a beautiful setting, but there's uh, traffic passing by intermittently. You might hear the children shouting from playing football. So that's what's happening. I'm also in my car because uh, as an introvert and after just finish speaking and speaking to people afterwards, I need some restoration. And so here I am. So I've never titled a uh, topic, uh, a podcast episode before I record a podcast. But today I did. And it's called I dealt with shame one layer at a time. Now, as I was writing, as I sat here in the silence, writing out what I wanted to say before I say it, or at least some of the points that I wanted to talk about, I felt tempted to add music to this episode. And I wondered why? Why would I add music when I said this was going to be unedited? It was not going to be fancy. So why at this point would I be tempted to add music? And as I thought about that, reflect on that and ask myself questions, the answer came immediately. It's shame, discomfort. Music would soften the story, I thought. Music would provide a distraction from the story. So that told me that, so there's there's still some discomfort around the area that I needed to tap into. And that's why I said I dealt with shame one layer at a time. Because there's always going to be, with the nature of sexual abuse, there's always going to be something to work through. And, but the important thing is being able to identify it when it comes and to release it. So it, it's not dictating how I act and how I, how I be. So that's why I said there are layers to shame. I experienced freedom from one layer when I cried in that church in Spokane and felt free. But I encountered another layer. And this was one that came into my awareness because this was this highlighted something that I hadn't dealt with that I needed to deal deal with when I was speaking about sexual abuse. I used language that was protective of myself, language that was also vague um, it wouldn't people would probably figure out what I'm talking about, but I wouldn't say it directly and even though I'd had the experience and the freedom that I had, as I said, the, the, the thing with sexual abuse is there's going to be layers to work through. Now, it was, it, the, the language was missing from all my early blog posts and videos. If you look on my website at woundsascars.com, you'll realize that not much of me is in those blog posts. I was talking around the subject as opposed to specifically to it. I used to use the broad term of emotional healing and I hadn't worked out how to say sexual abuse or talk about the, the abuse publicly. I was using language when I, I was using vague language when I speak. And so when, when the Me Too movement came out when, and, it, and it started to gain ground or, or when the Me Too movement, not when it came out, but when it started to gain ground and attention was given to it. I watched it happen for ages before I felt comfortable saying Me Too. And I, I noticed that about myself, like, why aren't you saying anything? This is part of why you're doing what you're doing. But here you are watching it, reading all the stories, and you've not added your bit to it. And at the time, it felt like I don't know if you do skipping, or if you call it jump rope uh, in, in your country. But it's kind of like the the rope going around and around and you're waiting for an appropriate time when you feel comfortable enough to jump in to wonder if you're going to manage to skip or you might step on the rope and everything goes wrong. And so that's what it felt like for me, like I watched it happen not knowing if I should say anything. So the first first I thought about my profession, you know, how would that impact me as a professional? How would I be viewed? How would I be seen? Is it okay? Can I like I was waiting for my profession to give me permission to speak a truth that was mine to speak about my experience. That wasn't honest because it wasn't. It was just another place to hide. I thought about all kinds of things, but that was just an excuse. It was my way of continuing to hide. And even when I said me too, I don't think anyone saw it. I still managed to say me too in a vague way. Maybe people might, might know that I am going to, this is, this is what she's talking about. Maybe they might be able to figure it out, but I, wasn't, I didn't tell my story. It's crazy how shame can. There's so many ways that shame can operate in secrecy and silence. Shame thrives, Bernie Brown says, in secrecy and silence, and definitely that was what was happening. So the journey to working through that phase of shame, where the profession, the the, the professional piece, didn't hide me or give me a reason to hide myself, that was slow progress. I had to give myself time to work through it. I had to understand for myself what was happening. And I had to be honest with myself and be patient with myself and offer myself a lot of grace because this is not a process. Working through shame and where I was at the time was not something that I could rush. I needed, I'd learned how to be. And I talked about the woman who shared her story, how gentle she was with herself and how she spoke from a place of healing I, I think I wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to be able to offer myself that. And then that became complex then. Because we can't offer ourselves something that was never mirrored to us. That was never modeled for us. That kind of softness and, and, and ease was, was something that I needed to, to learn. Was something that I needed to learn. So, was something that I needed to learn. So, um as I worked through that phase, I, I came to that level of understanding. So what do I do? What do I what do I want people to know about me was something that I had to work out. And what was I comfortable knowing? Another thing I had to be honest with was as, as an introvert, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally a private person. Um, I'm an introvert. And I shared I used to share very little about myself. Um, there were times when I shared more than little bit about myself. And it was given back in a way that was harsh and um, shameful, shame in. But I read recently in um, Letting Go that shame, I can only be ashamed when, when, when I have shame. Nobody can shame me without my permission. I need to have shame already for me to be shamed. And so I knew that I had to work through that so that I could tell my story and there's no shame. And so hiding and being an introvert and a private person was also not acceptable. It was also not going to be okay for me. So I had to separate that from shame, my profession, my, me being an introvert, me being a private person from shame. Like if I was going to do it, I, if I made a decision to tell my story, it was going to be purely based on the fact that I was ready. I wanted to do it and, I'm, and I was fine with it. If I if I didn't want to tell my story, it was it was also going to be based on me making a decision to not do it versus me feeling I can't do it or compelled to not do it because of whatever reason. And so, I had to work, sit, work through, and and separate all of those things and all of those different parts to me to me to make a decision to say sexual abuse. That's my story. This is how it impacted these are the things that happened and this is how I am now and I think the first journey to that was me writing my book Shattered But Not Broken and me being able to tell my story in a room full of hundreds of women and and I didn't even and at that time I didn't go into the story but I can say it now without being worried and as I said today at the the top of this podcast When different things came up, I could ask myself questions like when I wanted to add music, why were you going to add music when you said you weren't going to? What was happening? And so I can identify when there's any layers, any residue that is wanting to pop up to interrupt how I do things. So that was how I worked through one one layer of shame, ask myself questions, being aware of what came up, being able to work with and process through what came up which is able to help me to stand in front of a room, to say it, to write it in my book, to write it in my blog post, to say it in a podcast like this, to say it in my videos, to be able to talk to women. And when I'm running groups, not make it just about the women, but it's a space where we're all sharing and we're all healing. And I'm using my my experience and my expertise to help women who are at that beginning stage of never saying the word to get to the place where they can say it and they're okay. So thank you for joining me in Stories That Shape Us. This episode had some noise in it. The children came in the car and, and all of that. Um, life is happening as I'm telling you the story and as I'm writing this podcast and as I'm sharing the stories that shape me so that in hopes that you can understand and know the stories that, sh- the stories that shape you and you can learn restorative storytelling so you can be free. Thank you for joining me. I hope I'll see you tomorrow on the next story.